In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. History makers. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Reverend Camille Magdalene. He's an incredible preacher and teacher of the Word of God. I've heard him on the radio for many years, and it's great to have him in the studio. How are you today, mate? I'm very good, Matt. How are you? Very good. Now, I've certainly enjoyed uh, hearing about your teaching and your travels, and we're going to hear a bit of uh, your life story today. Uh, So tell us a bit about whereabouts were you born and raised. Okay. Well, I was born in the United States in Los Angeles. I come from what is called an Arab-American background. That means my parents are not from Europe, but from the Middle East, Lebanon, and what was called Palestine. So that's my background. But being born in Los Angeles, I was, like everybody else in the great American melting pot, thoroughly (laughs) assimilated and Americanized. So that was my background. And I was not uh, raised in church, but my parents were very moral, loving, decent people. So they taught me about God, but they did it without a church. And tell me, was there a uh, God experience that, uh, you know, were you converted at a certain age? Tell us what happened. Oh, yes. You better believe that happened. (laughs) (laughs) What happened was uh, I was about 15 years old, no church background or anything, but, of course, raised in America where Christianity is the civil religion. But that doesn't mean you're a Christian. And even if you're in church, it doesn't mean you're a Christian, but it's it's just part of the fabrics. And what it turned out was I was getting really very average grades in school. I mean, C average, you know, very, very average, and yet struggling to read as well as uh, struggling just to get decent marks. Plus, on top of that, I was, like so many people, addicted to television, spending almost as much time on the TV as I was in the classroom. And at the age of 15, and I believe it's because somebody must have been praying for me, I came to this conviction that if I didn't do something about my lifestyle and start to beef up these grades, I'd have no future. I'd be on some minimal wage job, struggling all my life, and I thought, no, I think there's something more than this. Two things happened, Matt. First of all, I turned off the TV, like a smoker going cold turkey and quitting. (laughs) I, I don't know what was in me, but I turned off the TV. Amazing. And I just, I've never been a TV watcher, serious TV watcher since. I don't spend evenings watching TV. Not even watching the news, because frankly, <laughs> there's issues <laughs> of that too. The second thing that happened, most importantly, I discovered a Gideon's Bible, King James even, on the family bookshelf. I don't know where it came from. I don't know which one of my parents brought that Bible into the house. And I took it off the shelf. And I began to read. Now, remember, I come from a thoroughly unchurched background. And I begin to read this Bible, this Gideon's Bible. And I was like a hungry man that found bread. I devoured it and devoured it and devoured it. Within, I'd say, 20 months, 
I accepted Christ as my Savior, which is, of course, the most important thing. But something else happens, secondarily but very important. Those marks of mine, my grades, as it were, I went through a miracle. All of a sudden, within a matter of months, maybe even weeks, I went from being a C-average student to a straight-A student, immediately. And that standard continued from then on, which meant, and I don't say this boastfully, except in the Lord, I graduated in the top 10 of the, the high school class. I got a scholarship to university. I skipped a whole year of uni through an advanced placement exam. I had a bachelor's degree when I was 20 and a master's degree when I was 24. I then enrolled later on, migrating to Australia, to the University of Melbourne and got a PhD. And somehow the Holy Spirit spoke to me not that long ago, connecting the dots and said, there is a, con- there is a link between your academic achievement and your knowledge of God's Word. And then Psalm 19, verse 7 came to me. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. Just briefly, I'm curious, what subjects did you study over all those years at uni? And- I learned to not be too specialized in that. <laughs> what I mean is I was taught to be interdisciplinary. Rather than I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to be a historian, I'm going to be whatever. So I studied not just theology, I studied what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And those are the two things that I now do in my ministry. I teach the Bible. I am primarily a Bible teacher. But one of the specialist strings to my bow to make me stand out is I also link that with what's happening in the world today, why it's happening, how does it affect us, and is there any prophetic implications? So I deal with the future, world trends, Bible prophecy, and in the more specialist way. So yes, that's what I learned in university and in in graduate school, and now I put it to work in the Lord's service. And tell us about the transition from you know being a PhD student, uh, studying university, and ending up in full time ministry. How did you start out in ministry, basically? Well, actually, I got the PhD while running a Bible college. Okay, yes. <laughs> I've been in ministry a long, long time. The PhD came later, and I might just say I only did a PhD because the Holy Spirit told me to. Go mm. and do a PhD. Mm. I would not recommend anybody doing further study unless, of course, they're led of the Lord, because it's a massive commitment. People really don't understand what's involved. But the ministry side, I'll tell you that how it came about, because I hope it will inspire some people. It came about from what I can tell is, remember, I came from an unchurched family. My parents only came to faith in their old age. Thank God they came to faith better late than never. But do you understand? I wasn't raised as a Christian. I was, of course, used of the Lord eventually to bring them faith. I was actually a married man with children when they came to faith. Wow. So I don't have this background. And therefore, because I didn't have this background of being raised in a Christian family, in my young head, I thought, well, I probably will just be somebody that loves God, goes to church, pursues my profession, and you know that kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But— What happened is I'm in this Pentecostal church, Assembly of God church. It was in the U.S. And in one calendar year, four major things happened to me in this particular church. I was baptized in water, in the Spirit. I was anointed for prophecy. And 
I uh, gave myself permission, all in one calendar year. It was that last part where the, they had a missionary conference. I've just graduated from uni. I'm actually working in the church, paid, low paid, but still paid employment. <laughs> uh, and I'm sitting in this mission conference, and he gives an altar call to serve the Lord in mission. Okay, I just felt to go. Didn't know what's involved. Thought I wouldn't qualify because for several reasons. But I just give myself anyway. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2, all together. I gave my body as a living sacrifice. I gave my mind for renewal. And I just surrender at the altar and think, okay, I've done it. And that's probably the beginning end of the matter. And God will say, that's really nice that you're so willing. But, you know, you just go pursue your career and be faithful to me. That's what I thought was going to happen. No, that's not what happened at all. What happened, Matt, is within months, I mean less than six months, God sent me overseas. How did that happen? I'll just really quickly mention, I, had, I didn't know, you know how to even get going on this thing of ministry and mission. All I knew was I gave myself to God. Somehow I got a hold of an audio cassette tape. I didn't even have anyone incarnationally. It's just a, a cassette tape. And I'll tell you who it was from. A lady called Joy Dawson, who's still around teaching on how to hear the voice of God, youth with a mission luminary. And her message was waiting on God. Now, because Joyce is from New Zealand, she's practical, like Aussies are. She's very, very practical, which I wasn't used to. I was used to all this theoretical stuff. <laughs> so Joy, Joy basically says how to wait on God, and she does it practically. I listened to that tape a dozen times. It's only one hour. And I did what she said, because that's all I had to go for me. And by following the steps of how to wait on God, next thing I knew, this door out of nowhere opened for me to go overseas, to go to the Middle East. And using the same principles, step at a time, I ended up in a believing, spirit-filled community, and they taught me ministry, and the rest is history. And I understand your first ever sermon was preached on Mount Zion. Tell us how that happened. How that that happened? Well, I I started because I was studying on Mount Zion. There's a Christian graduate school there now called Jerusalem University College. I had a wonderful course of study there. Basically, the land was the classroom, history and geography of the Bible. There was a church there nearby, five minutes walk from where I stayed. And I went there and I basically became part of the church. And... I, th- I looked at the pulpit, and I thought, you know, I feel a desire to be a preacher. But, Matt, what do you do? You don't just go up to a pastor and say, look, especially when you're still fringy, <laughs> I'd like to be a preacher. Because I, even back then I knew they'll tell you get in the back of the queue. Everybody wants to be a preacher. <laughs> so what I did is this was a community that was very serious about the presence and things of God. And they practiced fasting. And so I went, I was 23 years old, and I went on a fast. I think it was 17 days, liquid fast. No no milkshakes or anything like it. It was a liquid fast, uh, not as rigorous as a full-on water fast. And I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord for two things. I said, Lord, I want to be a preacher. And Lord, I want the nations as my inheritance. Psalm 2, verse 8. Those are the two things I asked for. And I asked it privately of the Lord. I didn't go spouting it from the housetops. And you know what? After 17 days, I came to a conviction God had heard me, and I stopped fasting. Two months later, I was approached to preach. Never preached in my life, 
but I was approached, having never shared with anyone when that was my desire. And from that point till now, I've never stopped preaching or going to the nations. Well, it certainly is an incredible ministry uh, that you're a part of. It's called Teach All Nations and uh, based in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, you do global Bible teaching uh, with a bit, of a bit of a prophetic edge, and uh, you're certainly a dynamic uh, preacher and teacher. Now, you're also described as a futurist. Now, I'm actually friends with a, uh, a Christian professor in Japan who is a futurist at the university in Nagoya. And he actually was born again uh, in my church a number of years ago and uh, was able to uh, find out a little bit about what he does as a futurist. But he's not in ministry. He's just <laughs> he just attends a church. But how does a Christian and a futurist uh, tie in together in your ministry? That's a good question that I'm still trying to flesh out. <laughs> but the thing is, my my love... It's always been of history, mm. and I always loved all kinds of history. I learned something from a famous author, and he taught that oftentimes the history people make good futurists, mm. which sounds very interesting. How is that? And he used – and it's not his original idea. He got it off somebody else. The analogy of the swing, and that is if you sit on a swing, how do you go forward? You've got to do two things, Matt. First of all, you've got to lean back. Yeah. That's history. But simultaneously, you've got to kick forward. So when you do those two actions together, leaning back history, kicking forward future, guess what? You go forward. You go upward. And I think that's how I've begun to understand it. I was put in the role of a futurist without even realizing it, when I started working at an Aussie Bible college years ago, and they needed a new subject, trendy, unlike any subject offered anywhere. And the guy who I was working with, he says, why did you do world trends? And as soon as he said that, everything went mm. boom. What a wonderful subject, world trends. And so back in the early 90s, I pioneered this subject, world trends, and that forced me continually to see what is happening in the future from a biblical view. So that's how I got started. Well, it certainly is an inspirational story of what uh, the Lord's done in your life. And, of course, if people want to find out more, the website is tan.org.au, and you'll find uh, more details there from Reverend Camille Marjali, Ph.D. And uh, it's just uh, an inspiration to uh, meet you today and to uh, see how the Lord is using you to teach the Word of God to the nations. And uh, I reckon you're History Maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, and God bless you, Matt. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry, and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. Order your flash drive with 20 of the best History Makers interviews now at historymakers.tv for just $19.95. All proceeds will help History Makers Radio and TV share the gospel all around the world. 
Order now at station sponsor, historymakers.tv. You'll hear interviews from Mark Burnett, producer of the Bible series and Survivor. Musicians like Paul Coleman, Mark Schultz and George McArdle from the Little River Band. Also Kate Brax, winner of MasterChef 2011, former Olympian Elka Whalen and many more. Order now at historymakers.tv.